Sorry, that's a dirty joke. I'm not sorry, it's okay. Alright. Sorry, I'm getting situated here. Alright, so before we even start, we're in the last week of Fizz the Season. This is the last week of 2018. And uh, we were going through all the things, and I got the To Be New sermon, which is what we're talking about today. And Eric said, you know, it's the last Sunday of the year, attendance isn't that great. This is awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> last year we had 25 people. Yeah, last year we had 25 people in total. So you guys, including the kids, you guys have already crushed it. So we're already looking good. But Eric gave me To Be New, and I sat there and I was like, where do I even start? There's, I immediately thought of 75 different things I could talk about just being new. And honestly, most of my prep time in the sermon was just sitting there going, no, 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 no. And so I finally got the three that I thought really worked together. So I'm really excited for the message today. Uh, so like I was saying, we're in the last week of 2018. And I know that I'm getting old because I sat there and I said, oh, wasn't New Year's like three weeks ago? And uh, apparently not. But I, I seriously feel like I was just reading in the new year, and here we are again, about to go into another brand new year. And you know, it always seems that around this time of year, something, something really funny happens. We look back on our last year, and we sort of notice things that we want to change or improve in our life. For example, this morning I was putting on my shirts and looking at myself in the mirror, and I said, something needs to reduce here. So I'm buying a smaller mirror. <laughs> but no, around this time of year, something very popular in our culture happens, and that's New Year's resolutions, right? And just by a, a really quick show of hands, how many of you had a, a New Year's resolution you wanted to do this year? I made one. And keeping those hands up, how many of you succeeded? And it's, it's really hard, right? It's something you, you decide you want to do, you have the motivation to start, and then all of a sudden, four months in the air, you're like, what was I doing? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, next year. Next year. Charlie Brown, just wait till next year. But, you know, December 31st hits, and we get entirely obsessed with this idea of a new person, right? We want a fresh start. We want something new. We're, we're really tired of that old, gross Tim or old, gross whoever that was there last year. We want something entirely new. And that's just not, that's not just in our physical lives. It's also in our spiritual lives. Sometimes we want a brand new, fresh start. We think, well, I really, really didn't do great at reading the Bible this year. Next year I'll do better. And I'll make sure that I do this, this, and this next year. And then God will be much happier with me. We want a fresh start to our spiritual lives. But what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we get to being new in the new year? With our scripture today, it's coming from 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18. And it says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So I want to set up 
Three points that I was able to narrow it down to today with a, a quick definition. That definition is the word sanctified. Sanctified means being set apart according to God's design. Now, a general definition of this is that something is sanctified when it is used for its intended purpose. For example, testing, testing, one, two, this mic is now sanctified. It is being used for its intended purpose. But when we look at it from a biblical point of view or a theological point of view, to be sanctified is God calling us to be holy as he is holy. To be something new in him. We want our new to be sanctified. We want to be used exactly as God intended us, exactly as God planned for us to be used. So that's what being new is. But what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like in our life? Well, first off, to be new means to renew your mind. Being new requires a complete rewiring of everything that we know and we perceive naturally. Romans 12, 1 and 2 nails it down perfectly. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now remember, Paul, the author of Romans, and a good portion of the New Testament, he uses lots of comparisons to the Old Covenant in his writing. That's what he was familiar with. He was a self-proclaimed former Pharisee. Sorry, I say that five times fast. No. Or, if you are a fan of Bonnie Python, he would be known as a late Pharisee. So, but Old Testament sacrificial laws for specific sins required an animal without blemish. Paul is trying to communicate in this passage to the Romans that by living a life that is holy and pleasing, a life that is sanctified according to what God wants for you, our actions in line with his plans become a fragrant incense to God. And you might say, Tim, that sounds simple. Why does that mean I have to completely renew my mind? I could just do what God wants me to do. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.16, the very first verse that we read, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Paul constantly urges in all of his letters to abandon worldly thinking. Because the kingdom of God makes absolutely no sense from that point of view. Why would anyone give up their own comfort or their own money or their own time to clothe or feed another person without posting it to their social media? <laughs> or why would anybody give up a Steelers game to comfort a friend who's hurting? Paul champions renewing your mind and not being boastful of your good deeds. Often when we get stuck in worldly thinking, our old way of thinking, we, you know, we love to see on Facebook, we see like, Good Samaritan does a good deed. What happens next will surprise you. And then we see that their college tuition gets paid for. Or we see that they get a new car. Or they're just rewarded in some way. And we love to see that, right? Those aren't bad things. But being new means that you aren't doing those things for glory. Or rewards. Or fame. You're doing good because it is good. When our minds are renewed... When we are truly new and sanctified, we crave these moments of sacrifice and glory because that is worship. 
between us and God alone. So, we need to renew our mind. Secondly, to be new means to become aware. Oh, it's Caitlin downstairs. I was going to tell a story about her. So, every year around Christmas time, my wife and I play a particular game in the car. We call it the tree game. And it is very competitive. And my wife loves me very much and hasn't killed me yet, so we're getting there. But essentially what really quick run-through of it is, if you see a tree on top of someone's car, you yell out tree, or if you see reindeer, whatever, anything Christmassy on a car, you yell it out, you get points. I'm very excited to come before you and tell you Alicia crushed me this year, 85 to 72. Anyways. <laughs> but, Caitlin, we've been giving Caitlin a ride for the last few weeks to church, because uh, she lives right along the way to church for us. So, she's had to be victim to us playing the game and yelling at each other in the car. And we, we got out of the car one day and she said, you know, it's really funny, I never saw any of this before, but after I watched you guys playing it for a little bit, all of a sudden I started seeing this everywhere. I was seeing trees and I was like yelling tree to myself for no reason. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it's not that Christmas, you know, suddenly came about, it's not that buying a Christmas tree or putting things on your cars just suddenly happened. What happened was that you became aware of it. And as soon as I said that, I was reminded, and I thought I was having a really great original thought, and I was reminded that of something that I heard in a lecture a long time ago. And it was a wonderful series about breath and, and God and how that comes together. But in Exodus 3.5, this is when Moses is approaching the burning bush. And he sees this, and God speaks to him, and he says, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, it wasn't that Moses walked around in this desert where he was a shepherd for his father-in-law for dozens of years and just happened to scooch around the one spot where the ground was holy. The ground didn't change. What changed was Moses' perception of the ground. Moses became aware of God's presence in that moment. When we become new, we become aware of God's presence in our life and that we are standing on holy ground. Sometimes we can lose sight of that. But what would your life be like if you could constantly live in the awareness every day that you are standing on holy ground because God's presence is in you? What would your life be like? And what's stopping you? Is part of being new, becoming aware of the holy ground that God is cultivating in the people around us every day? Because it's not just about us. It's about the people that we see and we pass every single day. We spend so much time engrossed in our own lives and our own things, it's easy to miss out on the chance to be new, passing us on the left and on the right every day. And sometimes we don't think about that. It's easy to walk right by that homeless person and say, um, you know, someone will take care of them. That person is, is holy ground. They are sacred to God. You have to become aware of this. In, in Matthew 25, Jesus stresses this fact. He tells a story called the sheep and the goats, and he says on the final day, people will stand before him, and he'll, he'll separate them into two, the sheep and the goats, and he'll say to the sheep, come with me to eternity, because you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I had nothing to wear. You took me in and gave me shelter. 
And they say, well, when did we do this? We never saw you. And he says, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. And he says to the goats, the exact opposite, you didn't feed me. You never cared for me. You walked right by me. They say, we never saw you. If it was you, we would have clearly. You're Jesus. He says, you, you didn't do it to these. We have to become aware of holy ground. And thirdly, to be new means to be loving. And I was talking to Dina before the service, and I was kind of telling her about how I had 75 points I could have done the sermon on. And really, each of, each of these points, I had a hard time bringing it down to something because every one of these could be a sermon in and of, it, in and of itself. I had so many verses just at this point popping in my head about what it means to be loving and what the Bible says about God's love for us. And we could have gone with the classic John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. Or even in 1 John 4, where this verse come, these three verses are coming from, there is just a multitude of assurances of his love for us. I think this, these three fit today so well. 1 John 4, 9 through 11. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, I don't know about you, but I love my wife. I love my wife so much, I would give her the last tag-along Girl Scout cookie in the world. That's a big deal for me. I love peanut butter more than is healthy for a dude of my size. I love my friends and family so much I would willingly incur so many losses for their well-being. But what my declarations of love compare next to makes them look feeble in comparison. What we find throughout the course of Scripture is a declaration of love ringing throughout the ages. It's a love so strong that it's beyond imagination. That God could not bear the thought of being separated from us so much that he gave his own son to repair our relationship. Jesus speaks in John 15 about how greater love has no man than this, to lay his life down for his friends. And I skimmed over this passage so many times, just over the course of my life, and it finally hit me one day. That what Jesus is saying about this love this is a kind of love that isn't stop, think about it, mentally debate, and then decide the process. It's not a wait the pros and cons of this action moment, well I love them, but I really love them more. It's an instantaneous, simple action. Because the love is so much, there isn't a thought, you just move. When you lay your life down for someone else, say, I love you so much, I'm not even thinking about the consequences. I'm going to save you. That is the love that God shows for us and the love that he calls us to show to other people. And if I had, I'm going to be honest, if I had to give up the most precious thing to me, I promise you I would be thinking about it first because I love my dog. 
<laughs> but that's, that's not what God did, right? He didn't think about it. And it's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to love as he loves, to be holy as he is holy. To be loving as God is loving means that you are at a point where you would give your own life without a second thought. I want to close out today with a simple thought, and it's trying to tie all of these three together. It's being new is more about discipline and less about motivation. See, the funny thing about New Year's resolutions is, like I said, four months into the year, you start thinking, oh, yeah, I was going to do that, right? They often fail because there's something that's created out of motivation with no discipline to follow up. Now, motivation is great. It's really important. It's important to start something, but it's a short burst of desire to fix something that you don't like, and it quickly fades. Discipline is the learned tenacity to keep it something, even when it isn't easy, or you're not getting recognized for it, and so on. Being new is a change to your entire being that isn't an immediate process. It's not. It doesn't start and finish on January 1st and you're done. You're completely new. Being new is a slow and steady process that means getting a little better every day. Now, if you've been listening, it, it might seem like each of the three points is a little incomplete by itself. But that's because each one ties in with the other. If you are new and you're living with a renewed mind that is truly pleasing to God, you will be aware of the people around you and loving to them. If you're loving and you're aware of the people around you, and a renewed mind in God's own image is the only result of that. And you know, we talk about God's own image, that we're made in God's own image, and that's such an important idea to Christians. Theologically, the concept of mankind being made in God's own image is called in Latin the Amado Dei which just translates to literally the image of God. The concept is that mentally and ontologically, how we process our state of being, God has made us like him with the capacity to love and to feel emotion and to think and to be aware. And that's just not me. That's you. And that's the person that you came to church with today and the person who cut you off in traffic on the way here and I'm really mad at them. And the neighbor who hates you, although I can't trade, I love you. They're my neighbors, sorry. Uh, the friend who hurts you and the coworker who talks about you and on and on and on. Every single one of those people is made. It's a being made in the image of God. All of you are precious and sacred and loved because you are made with the capacity to love and to fellowship with God and to be aware of his existence and his presence and to think like him, and to try and be holy as he is holy. Being new is wrapped entirely in this image. As we move toward being fully devoted followers of Jesus, we become new and sanctified as we become more and more in line with his plan for us. Because your mind is renewed, you should be seeing others as Christ sees them and want to serve them and to love them. Because you become aware of the holy ground all around you, you can identify the hurting and the need. 
Because you are loving, they see God in you. And that is a new creation. Would you pray? And this morning, I just want to reach out to you because you could be in completely different places. Maybe you're saying, well, well Tim, I've never even been new. I've never known the love of God, and I want that. And if that's you today, I want you to know that you are made in the image of God, that He loves you and cares for you so much beyond imagination, that He just wants you to invite Him in to be new. This morning, maybe, maybe you're just looking and you're thinking to yourself and you're saying, well, it's been a long time since I was new. And if that's you, I want you to know the same thing. God is here. You are standing on holy ground. All you have to do is become aware of it. 